0: Mark chapter number 1, if you'll stand with us tonight in reverence to the Word of God and prayer, and I pray the Lord would use this message uh, to help every one of us tonight. It's not just a sermon, but I really feel a burden about what I'm going to preach on tonight. Mark chapter number 1 and verse number 35. The Bible says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him, and when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. Father, I pray that you'll take the word of God and speak to us these next few moments. Lord, help us in this hour. I pray that you would strengthen us in thy word, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Amen, you can be seated tonight. I think all the Bible, of course, we know is important, but I think this text is important in the life of Jesus because it tells us five very important things about the Lord Jesus. First of all, in verse number 35, it tells us about the prayer life of Jesus. And rising up a great while before day, he went out into a solitary place and there he prayed. Prayer is the most important thing in a child of God's life. Amen. And if you're going to study anybody's life and the life of prayer, there's a lot of men and women that were great men and women of prayer that certainly we can read and after and we can learn from. But if you're going to study anybody's life, it ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, when you think about a prayer life, the prayer life of Jesus. And then in verse number 36, here I see the personal assistance of Jesus. As the Bible said in Simon, and they that were with him followed after him. You know, when you think about the disciples, they were there to assist Jesus in whatever manner that that he needed. Now, if the Lord used them, and if the Lord needed their assistance, then how much more do we need the help of each other? Amen? I think if the church is going to do anything for God, we have to realize that we need one another, that there has to be unity, that we have to work together, we have to pull in the right direction. I think that's one of the reasons why God has has blessed Bible Baptist Church down through the years because uh, it's, there's been unity. There's not been division. Now, we can have one tomorrow, but I pray that we don't. I pray that, that we follow the Lord together, amen? They were following Jesus, and I remind you they were following him in prayer. Remember what the disciples said in chapter 18 of the book of Luke? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Don't teach us how to preach, Don't teach us how to sing. Don't teach us how to teach, but teach us how to pray. The prayer life of Jesus, the personal assistance of Jesus, and then the popularity of Jesus. Look what they said in verse 37. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. At this time, everybody, the world was seeking Jesus not for who he was, but for what he could do, amen? And the closer Jesus got to the cross, when Jesus quit talking about a kingdom and he started talking about a cross, uh, the crowd began to get smaller because uh, there's always that crowd that they're just in religion for what they can get out of it, amen? I see the popularity of Jesus. You know, don't put a high price tag on popularity. It changes like the wind, you know that? You can be popular today and you can be so unpopular tomorrow. People can love you today, but they'll quickly forget tomorrow. The popularity of Jesus and then the preaching of Jesus. Look what he said in verse 36 and 37. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth and he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee. Jesus was a preacher. Can I get a witness on that? He knew how to preach. He was, a, he was the prince of preachers. He the very word of God in flesh. And, and when Jesus preached, he never preached at what he didn't have the touch of God on his preaching. I remind you of something about the preaching of Jesus. It wasn't always popular. There's preachers today that love popularity. They love the fame. They love the name. They love they uh, uh, the, the prestige. They, they love the celebrity status. But I'll tell you, Jesus never reached that status. In fact, most of the time, he preached in places that a lot of people were not willing to go. His crowd wasn't always willing to receive what he had to say. say. But Jesus was always faithful to the truth. Uh, he was always faithful to the Father's will and the Word of God. I'm gonna tell you, that's what a real preacher is. Uh, he's not about popularity. He's not about a pat on the back. He's not about a paycheck, but it's just about being faithful and preaching what thus saith the Lord God. Amen. The preaching of Jesus. And then I notice in verse number 36 here, verse number 39, the power of Jesus. Look what the Bible says that he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and he cast out devils. You know what preaching does under the power and the anointing of God? It runs the devils out. Amen. Y'all still with me tonight? I mean, you think about it. There's people that come to church and, and listen, there are people come to church to be a blessing and there's people come to church to stir the devil that we've all seen that, amen? And there's people that get right with God in church and there's people that they stay in church all their life and all they ever do is create a mess, but you know what? One thing about good old-fashioned Bible preaching, it'll flush a lot of that stuff out, amen? It'll flush the popularity status out. It'll flush, amen, listen, the sin out of the church. I, I wanna say I thank God for preaching on the anointing of the power of God. Uh, it'll pick you up. It'll lift you up. It'll strengthen you. Uh, it'll help you. It'll blister us sometimes. Uh, it'll bless us. Amen. But it's always putting things in check. Uh, it's always putting our life in check. Uh, it's always putting the church in check. Uh, and thank God for preaching that has the power and the touch of God on it. Amen. I'm not talking about intellectual preaching. I'm not talking about, listen, exegetical preaching. I uh, Listen, I'm not against all of any of that. I think we need that. But listen, we're starving to death uh, for men of God in this hour to stand up uh, that's been with God and has got a touch on their life. Uh, we need some preaching that's got the anointing and the approval and the touch of God on it in this hour. Preaching will help you, won't it? And I wouldn't give a plug nickel for anybody that, that said they is a Christian that didn't like preaching, Amen. I like good singing and thank God we, we have good singing and I like good shouting and I, I don't want to go to a church where it's dead all the time and nobody says amen and nobody raises their hand nobody shouts I, I'm not being critical of people that do but I like to be where there's some fire and there's some life I, I like to hear some amens I, I'm not saying that I need that but we ought to amen the truth isn't that right? Man, i like to go to church on Wednesday night and it be real as it is on Sunday morning, amen? Well, I'm telling you, listen, you never know what's gonna happen around here. You never know when God's gonna move, where God's gonna show up, what God's gonna do. Isn't that a blessing tonight? And preaching will keep a church on the right path. When preaching is no longer in the pulpits, guess what? We have to resort to everything else social events, social gatherings. I don't, I like functions, don't you? I like cookouts, and and I like fall festivals. I'm, and then, listen, if you don't like that stuff, that's okay, but I don't know why you wouldn't like it. It's free food and hot dogs and everything else. I, that ought to make any Baptist good, uh, happy, amen? I mean, I like homecoming, don't you? Uh, and I like all those things that we do, but that's not the center, amen? I mean, when all that's gone, when all that's taken away, that's just stuff, isn't that right? Uh, I'll tell you why I come to church. I don't come to church for a function or a fellowship I come to church and I might hear from heaven and I might hear from the word of God and good teaching and good preaching it'll help your life amen how we need it how we need it so bad in this hour if there's ever been an hour when preachers need to just pin their ears back and preach it's this hour friend we're in tonight Jesus had power on his preaching because of one reason. It's what I want to preach on a few minutes tonight. It's verse 35. It's because of his prayer life. And I want to preach on the prayer life of a preacher. The prayer life of a preacher. And when I talk about a preacher tonight, I'm talking about a particular preacher, the preacher that's in our text, the Lord Jesus Jesus was a great preacher in verse, 30, verse 38 and verse 39 because he was a great prayer in verse 36. I'm afraid that the reason our pulpits are so powerless today is because men have figured out how to preach without praying. We've learned how to do a lot of things. But I'll tell you, listen, there's no substitute for God's power. You say, well, I'm not a preacher tonight. No, but if you're going to be a teacher, if you're going to be a mother, if you're going to be a father, if you're going to be a brother, if you're going to be a sister, if you're going to be a church member, if you're going to be a Christian tonight, you need a prayer life. 2021 ought to be the year that you get serious if you haven't already about your prayer life. Something about a prayer life, it'll keep you in check. It'll reveal things in your life that you cannot see. The flesh will so fool you and I tonight, but it's in that secret place of prayer that God, through the the power of the Holy Spirit, in that stillness and in that quietness, uh, he'll reveal to us who we really are. And can I be honest with you, it doesn't look too pretty most of the time. But we need to see it, don't we? In that secret place of prayer, it'll cause you to take that finger that you so easily can point at others and it'll turn it around and it'll point it right back at you and you'll say and you'll pray as Isaiah did, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm talking about the secret place of prayer reveals who we are tonight the prayer life of a preacher. You say, Brother Gravely, I'm really not that interested in in hearing on personal prayer life tonight. Well, all I can tell you is the Holy Ghost spoke to me this afternoon and said, that's what we need in this hour. And can I tell you the Bible said, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and will heal their land. I want to tell you tonight, we need revival desperately in this hour. We need revival in our church, we need revival in our homes, now listen we can't change the world and I tell you we sure could change what goes on in here if we just draw up closer to Calvary draw up closer to the Lord we could change our own life in the chambers of our own heart if we would get serious tonight about prayer five things in verse number 35 I want you to see about the prayer life of a preacher, first of all I want you to see the start of his prayer life. The Bible says in verse 35 that it was in the morning. Jesus prayed in the morning. Now I wouldn't condemn somebody for not praying in the morning, but I don't know a better time of the day to pray than in the morning. You say, well, Brother Gravely, I'm not a morning person. I can understand that, but I'll tell you the best time to pray is in the morning time because of the freshness of that morning, because it's not filled with the clutter of the day, just like the dew when it falls and it washes away the filth of yesterday. That's what the freshness of the morning is. When you get up, your mind is more fresh in the morning than it will be any part of the day. It's not been filled with the busyness and the clutter of the day. So in the morning, Jesus knew that and so of resorted to prayer and he started his day off with prayer. I wanna tell you if you give God the first part of your increase and you give him the first part of your week, then we ought to give him the first part of our morning, of our day. We ought to give the morning to the Lord how much we need to talk to God before we talk to anybody else. The start of this preacher's prayer life was in the morning. Would you agree with me that your day goes better when you started off with prayer than when you just rush out the door? I know what a busy schedule is. Everybody knows what a busy schedule is. Uh, I listen, to somebody will say something. I hate to even tell people what my schedule is because I know that everybody's busy. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're busy. You've got things to do, responsibilities, things to take care of. Uh, you're just as busy as everybody else. Uh, and I'll tell you, if the devil can't get you to live a bad life, he'll get you to live a busy life uh, because all he wants to do is keep you out of that place of prayer. the morning. I want to tell you there are times I didn't think I could get out of bed in the morning. Have you ever been there? The older you get, I think the more you might think that. Drink about three cups of coffee before you go to bed. I'm just kidding. You won't sleep all night. (laughs) But I'll tell you what you'll do if you'll just keep getting up every morning or if you'll go to bed at night and say, Lord, I need to get up early to pray. Will you wake me up in the morning? I'll tell you what God will do without failure. He'll let your eyes open at the time that it needs to open up. You say, I don't believe that. Try him tonight and see. I'll tell you that tonight, or this mo- or t- tonight that if you'll get serious about praying in the morning hour, God will do great things for you. Now, if you're going to pray in the morning, that means you've got to go to bed at night. Somebody say amen. Even if you're from Alabama, you can figure that one out. Isn't that right? I mean, there's nothing spiritual about not sleeping. I know that. I hate to sleep, but I do it because we have to, don't we? I don't like to sleep. I mean, I really don't, but you know what? We have to, don't we? But if you're going to get up early in the morning and pray, you've got to go to bed at night. I know that may be simple preaching, but the Bible said that it's foolish in the book of Proverbs. It's foolish to sit up, uh, sit up late and to rise early in the morning. Don't sit up late and if you're going to get up in the morning time. You can't watch six hours of television. You can't sit up and, and listen, watch uh, the ball game or watch news till until uh, 12.30 or 1 o'clock at night and then get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray. I mean, you can, but you're, you're going to be a zombie the rest of the day. Do what Jesus did. Go to bed at a decent time. Get up early. The old timers had it right. Early to bed, early to rise. Isn't that right? And if you're going to get up in the morning and pray, get up before, uh, listen, get up before the birds start chirping. Somebody say amen. Get up before the sun comes up. You say, why is Because if you'll get up, there's something about that stillness in the morning time. God meets with you. Most of you probably do anyway if you work a job. In the morning, the start of his prayer life was in and in the morning. And then I see here not only the start, but I see the sacrifice rising up a great while before day. There was sacrifice in prayer. You know, God honors sacrifice, doesn't he? I want to tell you tonight, if you get up in the morning time sometimes to pray, listen, you may fall asleep praying. You may say some things in prayer that you wish you wouldn't have said, didn't make a lick of sense. Anybody ever fell asleep praying? That's the flesh, isn't it? The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. He said, Well, I, say, I, I did, What good did that do? I'll tell you what good it did. God saw the sacrifice, He saw the commitment, He saw the determination. There's something about Jesus rose a, a great while before day. He was willing to sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice time to pray? Are you willing to sacrifice in prayer? If you're not willing to sacrifice, then you'll never have a real prayer life. Now, your prayer life doesn't have to be like mine, and mine don't have to be like yours. Uh, I, I read. I remember years ago reading, uh, uh, reading about prayer uh, by praying hide. When I got through reading his, his story, Brother Laddie, I wanted to give up. I mean, a man prayed 12 to 13 hours a day. And I read his story and I said, well, I'll never be able to pray that many days. I mean, I was working a job. How can I do that? I can't. But you know what I found out? God specializes in the individuality in prayer. I can't get up in the morning and pray like pray and hide. You can't do that, but I can get up in the morning and sacrifice. Young people, get up before you go to school and sacrifice. Give your parents a heart attack and get up and them not have to wake you up. Set an alarm clock. Get up in the morning and pray for your teachers. Pray for your tests. Somebody say amen over here. Pray that you'll not cheat, that you'll be honest. Somebody say amen right there. Pray that you'll actually study and do your work and, and pray that the day will go easy. And you say, well I, well, I don't like algebra and I don't like this and that. I don't like spelling. Listen, uh, the, you know what? Pray and ask God to help you. You might be here tonight and say, well, I'm stupid. <laughs> we got any... No, I better not ask that. <laughs> I'll get parents start raising their hands for their children. I can't do this. I'm I'm just so dumb. I, I can't do it. Have you ever thought about laying your math book before God? You say that's silly. Oh, it's not silly. You can lay anything before God. Just like you can go to your parents and say, I'm struggling in a subject. Will you help me with this subject? Well, any parent that is a parent at all would help you if they can do the work. But I want to tell you something, just like your parents are willing to help you, God is willing to help you. If you'll bring it before the Lord and ask God for help, uh, He'll help you with that. But you've got to sacrifice in prayer. You want your children to live for God? I don't think I have to elaborate, but sacrifice the morning hours in prayer for them. Pray for your children by name every morning. Have special things that you have written down for your children, specific prayers. You believe God works in specific details. Then don't generalize your prayers for your children, your grandchildren. Write down specific things and ask God to do specific things in their life so that you can see God working in their life. But you're going to have to sacrifice that, the sacrifice of Jesus. Then I see not only... Yeah, but I see the separation. Look what he said. The Bible said that he went out. Jesus went out from his friends. He went out from those that he was with. He went out away from those that distractions that was before him. You know, if you're really going to pray, you've got to get away from the distractions. You have to get away from people. It doesn't mean they're bad people. Jesus was with the disciples, but you've got to have a place. You, you've got to have a, a place to go to. You've got to separate. Listen, if you're ever going to have a prayer life, you have to separate from the world. Somebody say amen right there. Nobody that lives in the world, I'm talking about that lives for the world, the things of the world, they don't have a prayer life. Now, they may pretend to pray, but you really don't get a hold of heaven when you're living out in the world because in that secret place, when you come apart from that world, the Lord will deal with you about that. But you've got to get away. You've You've got to separate. You know, there's something about separation. God honors it. And separation in this text, Jesus was separating from... Because he was going to separate two. And that's always the principle of separation. I don't have standards just to say I have standards. You don't have convictions just to have convictions. No, the reason that there's some things that we don't do is because, uh, listen, it's not holy, it's not right, or, or, or maybe it's carnal, and it breaks that relationship with God. So out of a dedication to Him, out of a loyalty to Him, out of a love to Him, that's why we don't do certain things. Can I get a witness on that? Obedience to the Word of God, dedication to the Lord, and Jesus went out. You know, if you're going to have a prayer life, you're going to have to get away from some things. Wonder tonight, what is it? Think about it for just a moment. Is there something in your life that hinders your prayer life? It eats up your time. That if you was to remove yourself from it, it would give you a whole lot more time. It may not even be sin. But you need to come out from it tonight. I see the separation. You see what Jesus is doing. He's making time to pray. Then the solitude, the Bible said that he went out, he departed, and notice this, into a solitary place. Jesus had a place all alone that he taught to the Father. He wasn't alone because God was there. This place is a special place. I don't know where your place is and you don't know where my place is and it doesn't really matter, does it? only person it matters to is God. You know, that place is that place you meet with God. Maybe that place is in your bedroom. Maybe that place is in the bathroom. Maybe that place is on the back porch. Maybe that place is in a garage. Maybe that place is somewhere. I don't know, but every Christian ought to have a place. They pray. Where's your place at tonight? Where do you go to pray? The Bible said in Matthew chapter number 6, and when thou prayest, thou shalt enter into the closet and shut thy door. And when thou shalt thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth thee in secret, shall reward thee openly. you got to have a closet. I remember several years ago, a preacher was preaching here at our church and, and uh, he was preaching on, on prayer and he quoted that verse and he said, you know, about going in the closet and shutting the door. Brother James Rowland God used that message and that verse of scripture to get a hold of his heart. Brother Roland got up and testified many times after that about how that God gave him a place. You know where his place was? Right over here in East Lake? Three-car garage? His place was in the, the first bay of that garage in an old 84 customized Chevy van with three chihuahuas. Can you imagine that? I don't know how many times I'd go to his house and knock on the door. Miss Rowland come to the front door and I said, brother, James here. And she said, he's out back in his prayer closet. So I was going go out there and wait on him. I'd go out there and sit down in the backyard and directly after a little while, i to see that garage door come up, you know. Here come him three chihuahuas out. And here come brother Roland out of that place. And I'm going to tell you, when he come out, he didn't even, he didn't even acknowledge me in the backyard. He's shouting all over the backyard. Having a time. I remember one day I was over there, he was shouting all over the backyard. I just said to her, I mean, I wasn't as high as he was, you know. He's shouting all over that backyard, and there's a there's a colored lady next door. She is hanging out to clothes, and he is shouting all over that backyard, and she looked over at me and she said, Honey, he does this every day. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> he stayed full of God, full of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because he had a solitary. I'll tell you something about that place. It's a holy place. If you've got a place of prayer, you know it's a holy place. Times that you feel God's presence more stronger than ever. I'll tell you what else it is. It's a humble place. It'll bring you low, won't it? It'll knock the pride out of us. It'll show us who we really are. Reveals we're not great, we're not wonderful, we're weak, and we need God, and without Him, we can surely do nothing. That secret place, that solitary place, will put us in our place every single time. That's why I need a place. I don't need it because I'm spiritual, I need it because I'm sorry and low down and sinful. You say, Oh, preacher, why would you say that? Because a few days away from that place, and I'm a mess, friend. A few days away from that place, it'll affect your spirit. It'll affect your your thought process. It'll affect the way you function in this world. I tell you, you get back in that place, it'll put you in place every single time. I'm telling you, we've seen God do things in this church because of that place over there in that Sunday school room and that place over there in that fellowship hall. We've seen the power of God and God move. Why? Because people got in a place and they prayed. I'll ask you something. Do you have a solitary place? Go go find you one tonight if you don't have one. Make you a place. Your children ought to know you have a place. They ought to know when you shut that door that mom or dad's praying. They ought to know that you have that secret place. And then I want to say this. Not only the solitude, but notice the simplicity of it. The Bible said that he departed into a solitary place. And look, and there prayed you know what I wrote beside that simple Jesus just prayed you know tonight if you're going to have a prayer life just you got to start and you got to keep it simple you know growing up around brother Allen I'd hear him talk about prayer and his prayer life and I would think about and then even seen his everybody has seen his prayer life he didn't Brag about it, but if there's anybody on earth you knew prayed, you knew he prayed. You remember all those names of people and he'd pray for them and their children, their grandchildren, their double first cousin on their mother's side? <laughs> yeah, I'd hear, I, I spent many years wondering, what in the world's a double first cousin? <laughs> and he would pray for, and he prayed for him by name. And I kept thinking to myself, I can never pray like Brother Sammy prays. And one day the Lord said, I don't want you to pray like he prays. You know, tonight I can tell you who you're supposed to pray for. Number one, you are to pray for yourself. Number two, you're to pray for your family. Number three, you're to pray for your church. That's why we have a directory. Number four, you're to pray for your country. And then number five, you know who else you're to pray for? Everyone and anyone that the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. You see... God lays people on my heart to pray for that He don't lay on your heart. And He lays people on your heart to pray for that He don't lay on my heart. There's a reason for that because we can't all pray for everybody but I pray for my family. You pray for your family. I pray for, for this church, and you pray for this church, and, and I pray for our nation, and you pray for this nation, and, and we pray for ourselves that God would help us, and, and then we pray for those individuals that sometimes you bump into in life, and God says, put them on your prayer list, and so you write their name down. I know that Brother Barnes, oftentimes uh, uh, we would go to a meeting together somewheres, and, and it seemed like uh, we'd be somewheres two or three days, and there'd always be somebody that Brother Barnes would connect with, and, and I knew it was coming if he made a good connection with them they didn't know it but but they found a prayer partner and brother Barnes had come in there and, and he'd slide his bible and he said write your name down there so I can put you on my prayer list many of those people he never saw again but he prayed for them who tonight do we pray for are you serious about Jesus pray you say well brother gravely My prayer life's a mess. Most of ours is. You might be here tonight and say, I don't have much of a prayer life. Well, then start. Well, I used to pray a lot more than I do now. Well, don't quit because you quit. Tonight, you ought to get on an altar and say, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. You know what Jesus is doing right now? The Bible said in Hebrews that He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Jesus came into this world as a prophet. When he comes back the second time, he's coming back as a king. Right now, he's a priest. And our great high priest that is passed in the heavens, sits at the right hand of the Father, every moment, every second of every day, he's living for one reason, to pray for me and to pray for you. The greatest ministry any of us ever have is a prayer ministry. It won't be a preaching ministry. It won't be a a teaching ministry. I'm going to tell you something. The greatest ministry you ever have as a preacher will be your prayer life. One day, I've thought about that often. One day if we live long enough, we may not be able to preach. I know a preacher right now in Athens, Tennessee that He's a great man of God. Heard him preach many, many sermons. In fact, he had a stroke several years ago. It's probably been well over ten years now. But probably two weeks before that stroke, we was in North Carolina together. He preached one of the greatest sermons I ever heard in my life out of First Peter. He's forty-two years old, brother. Laddie, you know brother Queen. And he had a stroke. And he's been in a wheelchair for over a decade, and he he can't say but two or three words. You never know when that could be me or that could be you. There'll be times when we can't, we may not even be able to lift our arm to feed ourselves. But you know something? There'll never be a time we can't pray. There'll never be a time. Will never be a time that you can't call on God in prayer. I don't want to wait till tragedy comes to start trying to figure out how to pray. Amen. Prayer is a process that God is forever teaching us. I can't tell you how many times I started praying and the Holy Spirit said, stop, start all over. And I just had to start over. Sometimes George Mueller said this. He said, I never really prayed that great man of prayer. He said, I never really got connected with God till after about 20, 25 minutes of praying because he said the first 20 minutes, he said, my mind, it took so long just to get my mind untangled before I could really pray. Well, that's true sometimes about people. If there's ever been a time we need God's people to pray, we need it in this hour. We need it. Our nation needs it. Our president needs it. Our vice president needs it. Everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got a post in this hour. My question tonight is this. How many people in this country has a prayer? How many people you want to be like Jesus? I want to be like him. I'm not telling you I'm like him, but I want to be like him. What's your prayer tonight? As we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's Wednesday night prayer meeting. The last stand of America. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's on our knees tonight before God Almighty that's the last stand of America is that my people which are called by my name would pray Heavenly Father Lord I preached myself under conviction tonight never felt like I have prayed enough I'm so glad God that there's mercy You're more willing to meet with us than we're willing to meet with you. But I'm glad your eyes are over the righteous and your ears are open. You're listening. You're listening right now, God. I know you're listening. and You'll hear the cry and the prayer of anybody that'll be sincere and humble. Lord, help us to find sweet consolation in prayer. Tonight, if you need to come, you obey God while we sing.